Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. Here's a word that's been on everyone's mind lately. It's the word party. Negatively, there's been the response to the so-called Partygate scandal that has erupted around number 10 in general and Mr. Johnson in particular. And then, of course, there's been the fabulous Festival of Joy that was Her Majesty the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations. In my opinion, this was a beautiful tribute to a wonderful lady who has not only served us well, but has been upfront and clear about her Christian faith. All this talk of partying has caused me to think about some of the parties that God actually commanded in the Old Testament, where Israel had a number of national celebrations described as sacred assemblies. You can read about them in Leviticus 23. They include Passover, tabernacles, first fruits, weeks, trumpets, and of course, Sabbaths. Now, these Old Testament parties enabled God's people to question themselves. Had they been faithful to the covenant that they'd made with the Lord? Where had they failed? Had they been faithful to their story? And these festivals, these parties, they were really creative. Once, when I was touring with a theatre company, a rather disgruntled-looking Christian gentleman who was sporting a very severe face asked me the question, where do you find all this creativity in the Bible then? I replied, well, without sounding like Julie Andrews, let's start at the very beginning, because right at the start of the Bible, we read, in the beginning, God created. He's creative, and so should we be. The festivals, the parties in the Old Testament, enabled God's people to quite literally reenact their history. They wouldn't just hear words, the story rehearsed, but they would participate as players in a huge drama where they were both the actors and the audience. So, for example, the Passover feast was to be celebrated by a people dressed and ready for a journey, with their cloaks tucked into their belts, sandals on their feet, and a staff in their hand. And then there was a mass campout lasting seven days that was required when the Feast of the Tabernacles was celebrated. So why all these parties? Well, quite simply, God's people forgot. It's been said that we tend to forget what we should remember, and we remember what we should forget. Israel was prone to persistent patterns of forgetfulness when it came to the mighty acts of God, with serious and tragic consequences. The book of Deuteronomy devotes a third of its text to sustained historical reminders about what God had done. Chapter 8 of that book laments Israel's tendency towards spiritual and historical amnesia, particularly when they were prosperous, when their need for dependency upon God was lessened. They forgot. And so the breathtaking truth that I'd like us to celebrate tonight is that there is a party planner at the heart of the universe. For some Christians, the image of a party is negative. Let's face it, parties can be occasions of excess, where too much alcohol dulls the mind of usually sensible people, and then mad choices are made in that fog. But God loves the imagery of a good party and consistently uses it in the inspired words of Scripture, to point to his own nature and the reality that he calls his people to be a partying people. So tonight, 
on Lucas on Life, we're thinking about God's parties and one party in particular. We're thinking about God's Old Testament parties and one in particular. Last weekend was Pentecost in the Christian calendar, celebrating the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. You read about that in Acts chapter 2. Now, Pentecost was one of the Jewish feast days, but they didn't call it Pentecost. They called it the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot. The Feast of Weeks is mentioned five places in five books of the Bible, and it was a harvest festival. In Israel, there were two harvests every year, and Pentecost, Shavuot, was the celebration of the beginning of the early wheat harvest. It always fell sometime during the middle of the month of May, or sometimes in early June. It was at that gathering, that festival, that the Holy Spirit came upon the waiting, praying disciples. So what do we learn from this particular party that God himself threw? First of all, this shows us the priority, God's valuing of a new kingdom community, the church. You see, when we look back into the Old Testament, we see the creation of a community that was very anti-God. Things were going really downhill after the fall of humanity, the couple in Eden in Genesis chapter 3, and then the first murder comes in chapter 4. By chapter 11 of Genesis, humanity's attempt at self-sovereignty had led them into rebellion against God, the building of the Tower of Babel. And so God scattered that community, and there was a confusion of languages. The Tower of Babel epitomizes what happens to humans when they turn their backs on God. Consider that picture with me, a scattered community and now confusion of languages. On the day of Pentecost, the Tower of Babel cursed was effectively reversed. People from many different places were gathered together, and now instead of the confusion of languages, the curse is reversed and everybody hears the gospel in their own tongue. What do we see from this? we see the value and the priority of the kingdom community that is the church. Christianity is not a solo activity. Sometimes living in Colorado, I hear people say, I don't need to be part of the church. For me, my church is being alone in the mountains. But that's not God's ideal. Christianity is not about solo flying, but rather being in formation together, being part of the church. For the early Christians, the greatest form of punitive action was to be denied fellowship in the church. They so valued being together. How about us? Do we treat the church as a consumer product? We'll go if it pleases us. We'll leave if it doesn't. Pentecost is about you and me being part of that community created by the Holy Spirit. But also at Pentecost, this party that God threw, we see that there is a party planner at the heart of the universe. Jesus, describing the kingdom, often used images of delight and joy where there's lavish food and great fun, a massive celebration. Graham Tomlin says, 
miserable, gloomy, dull churches have simply missed the point. Joy is at the heart of the universe because we serve a joyful God. God is a party planner. He's the creator of community. We're thinking about parties in this season where we've been celebrating Her Majesty's Jubilee. We've been seeing that God is a party planner. That festival that we've been talking about, the Festival of Weeks, Shavuot, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, also celebrates God as our provider. Deuteronomy 16 verse 10 says, Celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. You know, often when we greet each other, we might say, how do you do? Or how are you doing? When Jews would greet each other on Shavuot at the temple in Jerusalem, farmers would often say this rather strange greeting, my father was a wandering Aramean. Don't try that greeting out this week. But what they were saying is, God is our provider. He has taken us from being wanderers to being a people. Let's celebrate this week by being especially grateful and thankful as a discipline and not just as an emotional response when we occasionally feel like it. It's good to say thank you. God is our source. Also at this Harvest Festival, our Jewish friends would celebrate the giving of the law. Deuteronomy 16, 12, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and follow carefully these decrees. I'm challenged by the fact that during this party, many would stay up all night to read the Torah, the law. They celebrated God giving his word. We Christians say that we believe that the Bible is the word of God, the whole thing. But here's a challenge to me and to you. How much of it do we read, imbibe, apply? If we say that this is God's word to humanity, surely we should diligently study it. Then, of course, this festival, which became the day of Pentecost, celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit to fill us and to help us. We read in Acts 2 that tongues of fire came upon them, and fire in the Old Testament represented the presence of God among his people. No longer do we need a temple in Jerusalem as followers of Christ, because Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. I think often we have been divided as Christians about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the mechanics of that. Rather, surely we should be asking the Lord to help us to fill us with his Holy Spirit every day. Finally, of course, the Holy Spirit is given to us to empower us for witness. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, Pentecost was a party with purpose. Yes, a joyful celebration, but also an empowering of us to take the good news that is so desperately needed in our world. 
We've been thinking about God's parties in the Old Testament, Shavuot in particular, which became in the Christian calendar the day of Pentecost. These parties, these festivals in the Old Testament era, were huge gatherings that wonderfully disrupted the working life of Israel as God's people were called to gather together to toast their love for God and for each other. The book of Deuteronomy includes a command that seems almost unlikely. It's such an invitation to unbridled joy. Listen to this. Exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose and use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. God was saying, party, I command you. He's commanding his people to celebrate. But with these words, anything you wish, he's allowing them space to decide the specific elements of the party. And God himself is not the wallflower, the stoic, unsmiling spectator or party pooper who sits every dance out because he's above that kind of thing. No, he's part of the party. Zephaniah, described by one commentator as the prophet obsessed with doom, pictures God as the one who skips and dances for joy over his people. The New International Version almost loses the sheer exuberance of it all. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The Hebrew word used here translated rejoice, which does sound rather religious, means to leap. Just as the father in the prodigal son story in Luke 15 jumps up and rushes out to meet his son, so God is portrayed as one who is unconstrained by a compulsive need to always be measured. He is the celebrating God. He calls us to be a celebrating, partying people. Surely our lives and our churches should reflect that beautiful aspect of his character. See you next week. Lucas on Life. 